0: Hello everyone and welcome to End of the Line. I'm Jim Anderton, Multimedia Content Director at Engineering.com. On today's episode, in the COVID pandemic world, is OSHA still a factor for manufacturing? If you're an American manufacturer, you're no stranger to OSHA. Now, other regulatory bodies in other parts of the world operate similarly, so it's a global issue. But in the middle of the pandemic, what does safety mean now in industrial operations? Right now, of course, the focus is on getting people back to work in a manner that prevents them from infecting each other. Now, this means barriers, sanitization protocols, and distancing between employees as much as possible. Now, some operations are taking employee temperatures with laser thermometers at the door. You know, these are all good precautions, but from a regulatory standpoint, COVID is a whole new world. What are an employer's obligations to prevent the spread on the shop floor? What specific measures must employers take to mitigate that risk? What are the penalties for non-compliance? What responsibility do employees who may have been infected have to report or avoid the workplace altogether? Now, For companies, industries such as food processing or pharma, a lot of the necessary precautions are already in place. But in light assembly, for example, it's very difficult to separate workers that may operate shoulder to shoulder and pass assemblies to each other hand to hand. So what's the standard? Well, that's a moving target, but the immunologists are currently reporting that the primary method of infection is through airborne droplets. Basic PPE like masks, visors and gloves, well, they're simple, effective and cheap. And physical separation of workers on the line, well, that's a no brainer. But is it even possible? In many production systems, it simply isn't. And workarounds like plexiglass barriers are similarly difficult to integrate into team work, especially in assembly and packaging. So what can you do? One way to mitigate that risk is to look at the production process and determine whether natural firebreaks exist in your system. Can assembly be divided into smaller teams that are physically distant and separated from other similar teams? Can common areas like lunchrooms and washrooms be sequestered to prevent commingling between those teams? Can shifts be split to reduce staffing levels on the shop floor, or can afternoon and graveyard shift operations replace singles to increase physical distancing? Now, there are lots of possibilities, but from a legal and regulatory perspective, no one at this point is going to make a SNAP inspection and check masks for an N95 rating. The standard is one of reasonableness. Do nothing, and if someone gets sick, expect lawyers. Do the basic things that we see in public spaces like retail stores, and you're likely good to go. But keep in mind that COVID-19 impacts older, weaker, and immunocompromised workers disproportionately. And frequently, those workers are essential to your operations. You can't put a 57-year-old master tool and die maker into a bubble, but you can think about how closely he works with those apprentices. No matter what, it's becoming clear that there will be no fast or easy fix for this pandemic. And similarly, there's no economically sustainable way to maintain industry-wide shutdowns and keep the nation running. We're all going back to work sooner rather than later. Now, can we defeat COVID-19 with basic hygiene, distancing, and PPE protocols? It has worked in the past, and it can work now, But planning for 2021 and perhaps into 2022 has to assume that it won't be business as usual. But that doesn't mean it has to be business in recession. Thanks for listening to today's episode of End of the Line. Tune in again next time.